Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Genesis chapter 35, and we're going to continue on in this study. Um, I want to remind you um, the last couple weeks, um, actually last week I think it was, uh, we shared two important points. Uh, the first important point was if you're in the wrong place, the right place is empty. Uh, if you're in the wrong place spiritually, typically you're in the wrong place physically as well. Uh, wrong place spiritually, you're going to be in the wrong place emotionally, mentally, all those things as well. If you're in the wrong place, the right place is empty. The second point was this. If you're wrapped up with the worldly, then you can't be focused on the heavenly. That's, so, that's just a, 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 a plain thing. You know, it talked about people focusing on the different things in, in their jobs. And uh, just like we're recognizing our veterans today, I don't, I don't want a Marine. I don't want a, a soldier. I don't want a sailor. I don't want an airman. I don't want anybody in, in the armed forces when they're supposed to be focused on the task that they're at, at hand. You know, uh, I don't want a, a mechanic on, a, on an aircraft. Uh, to be not focused on making sure that he's going through his checklist, uh, that that aircraft is going to pass inspection <laughs> that's going to carry our troops or, or, or accomplish a mission in some other way. So I, I want to make sure that we're clear on this. There are things at times in our lives that we absolutely are focused on that have to be worldly or earthly. Uh, but in a general sense, if we're wrapped up in the, the earthly or the worldly, we can't be focused on the heavenly. My concern is, is this, and this is kind of what I was sharing last week is that we can all be guilty of being like Jacob in our story. We've, we've kind of walked through and, and saw what his life was like. Remember, we're getting to Joseph. That's the main character of our, of our study entitled Life. Uh, but we've been looking at Jacob along the way, who is Joseph's father. And, uh, but here's my concern. Much like Jacob, we can you know, plead for God's help. We can call out to God, God, please help me. God, please rescue me. God, please heal me. God, please fix this when we're in a dire situation. But as soon as things get smoothed out or worked out, again, much like Jacob, we can return back to those earthen things, those idle things. And uh, I wish I could stand here on this podium today and say that I've never done that in my, my Christian life, but I know that I have. And uh, it's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling to know that you, you, have, you have called that to God in desperation and you've been passionately pursuing God for God to heal something, fix something, restore something, do something in a mighty way, and then, and then things get fixed, things get better, things get smoothed over, and you start moving forward in your life, and, and then you're like, oh, cool, now I can just kind of go back to my life of, of comfort and just kind of cruising along in my spiritual life. And what does that say? That we only need God to do stuff? That we only care about our intimate walk with God when he, we need Him to, to do something that we can't do ourselves? It's not just a concern for us and our relationship with God, but it's also a concern that I have of what that tells our kids and our grandkids. Does it teach them that we only devote ourselves to God wholeheartedly, that nothing comes in the way of God in our life when things go wrong. But if everything's okay in your life, then you can kind of balance the things of this world and the things of God and, and not be wholeheartedly devoted to God. 
So the question I have with that is then, what is their chances first of having a, a real, authentic, sincere relationship with Jesus Christ themselves? First of all, what's their chances? Second of all, what's the chance of them experiencing the power of God on their life and in their life? Or what does it look like for the next church having the power of God in it? Again, if that's what this next generation is seeing in us, is that, man, I, I, I'm, we, man we call out to God as a, and we pray, I'm, dad is devoted, mom is devoted, mom is you know, crying out to God and praying because we're going through this financial struggle, we're going through this health issue, we're going through this problem, and, and, and then all of a sudden when things get hunky-dory in our life, then we just kind of go back to living how we want to live. Until the next big bump in the road. And so our, our kids and the next generation realizes God's kind of like a genie. God's not a real personal God. God's not a real intimate Lord who, who wants to interact with us on a daily basis, regardless if we're on the mountaintop or the valley. But our kids see that, man, when you need some money, when you need some health, when you need, when you need you know, some friends or a good relationship or, or a relationship fixed, then that's when you get real desperate and real spiritual. That's when you start showing up faithful to church. That's when you start praying. That's when you start reading your Bible, when you need God to do something. We lose focus of the fact that Christ is our great reward. Christ is our great reward. We stop storing up treasures in heaven and we start seeking them on earth and when we do that we begin to rob spiritually rob the next generation of the best things and as we rob them of the spiritually best things that this life they can experience in this life we begin to laden them down with a condemning example and woe to us when we do that the only hope the only right response that we have then, if we find ourselves in that place, if, we, if, if you're here this morning and say, man, that's me. Man, I, I honestly don't really get serious about my relationship with God. I really don't get intent and passionate and pursuing of God until things are wrong. That's me. That's what my kids see. I mean, we kind of give and take the things of God, even, even worshiping as a body or, or, or giving or praying or, or reading or his, his scripture. We, we kind of give and take those things as, it, as we can and as it is at our whim. And that's what our kids see until something bad comes. And then we become really devoted Christians. If that's you this morning, I encourage you to repent. Turn away just as Jacob did. But it has to matter. It has to matter. That has to matter. Your kids' spiritual future, or your grandkids' spiritual future, it all has to matter to you. It's got it's to mean something. And so we've got to be honest. Is God really my God? Is Jehovah, God, the only God, really then my everything? Is he really the only one that I bow down and worship and obey? Is he really the one that directs my life every day, all day? See, that's what a God does. A God controls your life. But it's a willing. It's because you've submitted. And so this morning as we move on, I hope that we take this serious idea that maybe we're too wrapped up in the world to have a heavenly mindset. And that if we are, that we stop that today so that our kids and our grandkids don't le learn that preoccupation. That they don't learn, man, that's how you live in this life. So I want to pray this morning.
And we'll move forward to see what God has for us on this Veterans Day. Amen. Father, thank you for, for this day. Thank you again for all that you do. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for our sins. Lord, thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for, um, again, our men and women that have served and, and continue to serve this great nation that you've so blessed and so used for your kingdom's cause. We realize that the blessings we have in this life aren't just to just pile up as earthly blessings, Lord, but you've, you've blessed us for a reason. I pray that we wouldn't take it for granted, but we would use every blessing. We'd count every blessing. And we'd serve you with greater zeal. Lord, move now. I pray that you just use me as a vessel. Be glorified in this place, God. I pray your word would go out and accomplish what you want it to accomplish now. And we pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Genesis 35, verse 4 is where we pick up. And remember, uh, they had gone through a great tragedy. Um, his uh, sons exacted revenge on the men that had uh, accomplished this great evil deed. And, and uh, Jacob was uh, displeased. And, and again, he was displeased because of what it might have done to his name, uh, what it meant to him and his family's name. And, and then uh, there, there comes this moment where God uh, speaks to Jacob again, and he says, look, you, you got some problems. You need to get back to where you're supposed to be. Now, God's already done this to Jacob before, but remember, there was a place that Jacob had declared, this is God's place, and that was called Bethel. And so Jacob's not in Bethel. Remember, he's in Shechem, which is an important thing to remember this morning. Remember, he's in Shechem because we're going to see something in, in another scripture later in Israel's history that is very uh, relevant and important for us uh, even today. And so uh, we see that Jacob calls, hey, get, give up all your gods. Get, get rid of all the false idols. Get rid of all this, the, this, this junk that you've accumulated in this wrong place, in this place that's really not the place we're supposed to be. You get that? You get what's going on? He's saying, give up the things that are ladening you down. Give up the things that you've, you've accumulated in this place that's not your home. Give them up. Verse 4. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which, which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were on their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak tree which was by Shechem. This morning, only one point, important point. It's this. Intent is not action. Intent is not action. And you can say it like this, intent is no substitute for action. Intent is not a substitute for action. Again, I'm so thankful for our veterans. I'm so thankful that they don't go to basic training uh, and learn to have good intentions when they're in the battlefield. Right? I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine our, our soldiers and our Marines and, and our sailors going to going to boot camp and these, these drill sergeants being in their face and spitting and, and, and them going through all these things to, to, to teach them, listen, when you get out there, it doesn't really matter what you do, just mean well. Just have the right things in your heart when you're out on the battlefield and it really doesn't matter what actions you take, just make sure you have good intentions. I'm so thankful they don't do that, but they actually go to basic training. They go through their individual schools to learn the trades, to learn the skills that they are to employ at their job and on the battlefield in defending our nation. I'm thankful they learn how to act. 
on that training. I'm glad they don't teeter back and forth as well between national allegiances. I'm glad that, that whenever somebody says, I don't know if I want to serve America anymore, and they are a soldier, they are, not a, they are not a citizen, they are a military personnel at that point in time, and they, uh, 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 I'm not a citizen, a civilian, uh, they are a citizen, not a civilian, but at that point in time, that if they say, I don't know that I'm 100% in for America, that that's treacherous. I don't want somebody questioning. I don't want somebody teetering. I want somebody who's willing to lay down their life for the American people and the Constitution. All in. And I'm thankful that they act like that. I'm thankful they serve like that. You know, it's got to be hard. I can't imagine. I've had some family that uh, have served in the military and, and, and many great friends uh, and, and church family members uh, that have served in the military and, and serve. And, um, I can't imagine how hard it is sometimes to have that allegiance, knowing maybe what the leadership is, maybe what the direction of the country's doing, maybe what is going on in politics and even the, maybe the state of the American people. I can't imagine to say, you know what, I'm still willing to lay down my life if it was, it was so called for me to do. What a, what a high calling, what a hard thing to do. But we know every single one of us, whatever we're talking about, action means response action means responding and spiritually speaking it's a response of faith when we say we're going to act we say that we're going to respond in faith and specifically when we're talking about the christian walk what we're talking about is action based on truth so that means that we are actually actively obeying that's what it is it's not it's not something that you say at one point in time i did this no it is actively acting in obedience to the truth. So in Scripture, we know that there's principles that we act on that we move in obedience to. Uh, while there are commands also found in Scriptures, uh, we know that there are things, uh, principles like this, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Now that's a command, but it's also a principle. We find that in our daily living. That's how we're supposed to treat other people as we would have them to treat us. There's other things that say this, speak with grace. What does that mean? Again, it's a, it's a command, but it's also a principle. We're not told exactly what words are grace, but we are told to speak. And the nature of our speech is to be grace. Again, a, a principle and so on and so on. These principles are supposed to play out in varied forms, in various situations, in, in our everyday life. That's how we're supposed to live. But then we know that there are direct commands, absolutely in Scripture, that we're also to take direct action in. Arise, go, teach, baptize. And even here in our text, we see things like this. Put away, repent. The judgment seat of God, uh, you know, for us Christians. God's not going to look at us and say, child, I know you intended to obey I know you intended to remove the idols. I, I know that you had a lot of things going on and, and your intentions were well. I know you intended to serve me with all your heart. It was in there. I know you had it in your heart. I know you intended to love other people as I loved you. I know that you intended to share this glorious gospel that I, depart, that, that I imparted unto you that saved your life. I know you intended to share it with other people. And even though you didn't actually do those things that you intended to do, it's cool. 
God's not going to say that at the judgment seat of Christ. He's not going to say, look, I know that your intentions were really, really good. No. Go ye and make disciples of all nations is a, is a command that has a required action, not just a good intent. In our men's Bible study, the question was asked as, after we had our study, that there was a question in the, stu the study that was worded like this, because this, uh, the, the new study that we're doing in, in our men's Bible study, Iron Sharpening Iron, is uh, kingdom disciples. And it's talking about how we are God's disciples in his kingdom and what that looks like and how that's supposed to be lived out in our lives. And so what that, what that begins with is this great commission that God has given to the church. The question was asked, why do we treat the great commission like a polite request instead of an authoritative command from Almighty God? Why do we look at what Almighty God, who Jesus Christ embodied in, in, in the flesh, he says, all power is given unto me under, uh, in heaven and in earth. All authority. So what I'm doing is I'm giving you a command. I'm giving you a charge. I'm giving you a commission with all authority in heaven and earth. And it's with you to go you and make disciples. It wasn't something if you, if you feel like it, if you want to, if, uh, if it is convenient for you. If, if, if it's in your heart to, maybe you don't do it. No, there was no intent. It was action required. Again, intent is not a substitute for action. A, a football coach doesn't look at the player who his, the opponent just ran past. Who his, he doesn't look at that player and, and who, who just missed this tackle. He had this opportunity to tackle him. The coach doesn't look at that player and say, why didn't you tackle him? And the player doesn't respond, well, I meant to, or I intended to. And the coach say, oh, okay, cool, I get it. It doesn't happen. The, 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 the player that, that misses the tackle, the player that had the opportunity to tackle, that was his job, that was the action he was supposed to take, and he just didn't do it because, well, he didn't take the action. Whether he was afraid, whether he didn't want to, or whatever the case may be, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. The coach doesn't say, that's good enough for me. It was in your heart to tackle him. I understand. The coach doesn't do that. The coach says, get off the field, you know? If you're not going to tackle the, the opponent, that's the whole point when you're on defense. Tackle him. Stop them. I sometimes wonder if that's what Jason Garrett tells. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> We're not going there. <laughs> Stay on course here. It's not just, it's not good, it's not just as good for the coach uh, for, the, for the player to say, I intended to do it. It's not just as good as him actually doing it. Again, intention's not a substitute for action. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 43, but know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would have come, he would have watched and would have not suffered his house and would have allowed his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? Listen to this, verse 46. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, listen to these words, 
shall find so doing. Not intending, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make a ruler over all his goods, but it, and if the evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, in an hour that he's not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So there are two sides. There are people that hear the commands and know that there is an urgency, as Brother Jeffrey said this morning, to redeem the opportunity, to redeem the time that we have. There's those that have the commands, that know the truth, that realize this is what we are called to do, not called to intend. And then there are those who sit back and say, do we really have to do it? Is, is it really all true? Am I, do, I mean, do I have to? That's kind of the mindset of this evil servant. The Lord delays his servant. I'm going to kind of live my life for me. I'm not going to necessarily give my all for him. I'll do my thing and still claim to be a part of his thing. The Bible says that the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he's not looking for him. And there's going to be a great reckoning. And our text, intent wouldn't suffice either. It, it wouldn't do for them moving forward into the place that God had called them to go. They didn't say, Dad, okay, look, Dad, Jacob, Jacob's dad, Dad, listen to us. That's a good idea to get rid of all these idols, to get rid of all these gold earrings and stuff that we have on us, but here's our thought. Okay, Dad? We're going to hold on to them. But we're not going to worship them anymore. We're going to hold on to all these idols. We're going to hold on to all these earrings. They're still going to be in our possession, but we're just not going to worship them anymore. Listen, Dad, listen. We, we spent a lot of money. I'm not going to meddle. I'm going to stop there. But we can plug in just about anything, right? I spent a lot of money on my, on the kids. I, I spent a lot, I, I don't, I, I can't give these up because they also didn't say this. Dad, you're right. We shouldn't have these. But we can't get rid of them right now. Maybe later. Maybe sometime soon we'll get rid of them. This is similar to potential, right? I remember when I was in, I think it was seventh grade, and our, I think it was our basketball coach, he, he, he sat down with us, and, and we were pretty talented for a, a seventh grade basketball team. Um, and uh, he said, but we weren't performing to our potential, and, and, he, and he, he sat us down and he said, listen, you guys are missing it. You guys got so much potential. He said, but you want me to tell you what potential is? It's nothing. It's nothing unless you put it into action. You, you can have all the potential, all this talent, you can have all this potential, but if you don't tap into, if you don't actually put it into action, it, it's useless. It's meaningless. It's just words. It's just, it's just this existing thing that's, that's useless. Intent. Intention. To do something in the future, what's imperative to do now is the same thing. It's useless. 
If it's right to get rid of it now, if it's right to serve the Lord with all your heart now, if it's right to get some, some idols out of your life now, if it's right to do those, do those things now, then it's not right to wait to do that. Or it's not right to have the intention of doing it later. Joshua didn't tell the nation, listen, guys, eventually, you need to make a decision. Joshua didn't say that. He didn't say, at some point, really soon, y'all need to decide if you're going to follow God or you're going to follow the gods of your fathers on the other side. You, you, you're, at some point, here soon, get ready, because you're going to need to make a decision. <laughs> he didn't say that. I, I want to look at that. Joshua 24. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to where? Where did he gather them? Isn't that interesting? This is, this is before the nation of Israel had, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, we have in our study before the nation of Israel had gone into bondage, into Egypt, and all these things. And now here we have, after all the history of God working and using and, and captivity and bondage and, and exodus and all these things, and now after Moses, we have Joshua still dealing with these things in the people of God who cannot seem to get a hold of just trusting God and living for him, but they still, similar to Israel's history, similar to even us today, seem to just accumulate all kinds of stuff in our life that hinders us from giving God our all. And so Joshua calls the people to the same exact place that Jacob told his sons and his, his family, get rid of the idols. What a, what a place, what a, what a remembrance for the people of Israel, there in Shechem, say, same thing, hey, come together. And he called all the elders of Israel for, and for their heads and for their judges, for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him through all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau and gave unto Esau Mount Seir. Isn't that interesting? We've already, we've already covered that as well. To possess it. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt and sent Moses also, I, I sent Moses also and Aaron. And I plagued Egypt according to, to that which I did among them. And afterward I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And you came into a sea. And the Egyptian pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. And brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And you dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan. And they fought with you. And I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel and sent uh, and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore he blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over Jordan and came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites, the uh, uh, Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the uh, Girgashites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out before you, even the two kings of the Amorites. But not with thy sword, nor thy bow. The, the, thy bow. And I've given to you a land for which you did not labor. Can any of us attest to that? 
I've given you a land that you didn't labor for and cities that you didn't build and, and you dwelt in them. Of the vineyards and the olives which you planted, not do you eat. You planted not do you, do you eat. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Look, here it is. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. Verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, then make a decision this day. Choose you this day, right now, who you're going to serve. Whether you're going to serve the gods that your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, then fine. If that's what you're going to do, then serve the world. Serve the things of the world. Serve the gods of this world. If that's what you want to do, nobody's forcing you to do anything else. But if you want to serve those things, then give yourself to them. Don't try to teeter back and forth with allegiance. Serve, serve those things if that's what you want. But Joshua makes a declaration. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't, he didn't say we will intend to do what God wants us to do. He didn't say that, that, that we'll think about what we should do in the future. No, he says, look, you need to make a decision today. If you're going to serve the world, then serve the world. But if you're going to serve God, then make the decision today to serve God. Look what happens. The people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord. He, look, he, he did everything you just said. He brought our, our, us out of captivity and he delivered kings and, 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 and wars. And, and God has done so much for us that we could never do. Just like he said, gave us a land that we didn't even give to ourselves. He, he gave us vineyards and, and all these things for us that we didn't earn ourselves. How could we not serve God? How could we forsake him to serve other gods? Verse 17, the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt, the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, you cannot serve the Lord. Because he's a holy God. And he's a jealous God. And he'll not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. And he said, whoa, wait, wait, what? Why'd you tell us to make a decision then? Look what he says. Because if you forsake the Lord and you serve strange gods, he'll turn and he'll do hurt, consume you after that he had done to you good. And the people said in Joshua, because remember the people's hearts were kind of back and forth at this point in time. And, and so Joshua's calling for them for complete allegiance. Not complete good intentions, but complete action to serve the Lord. And so he says, listen, this is what's going to happen. And the people said to Joshua, nay, we we're going we're to serve the Lord. That's our decision. Joshua said to the people, you're witnesses against yourselves that you've chosen the Lord to serve him. Look, you, you, you have made a declaration, you're a witness against yourself, that you said, you know what, it's all God, we're all in. And they said, we are witnesses. Now therefore put away, he, uh, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said in Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. 
Joshua wrote the words, the, uh, words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it there on an oak, which is by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, Hold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, and it hath, uh, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord, which he spake unto us, and it shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. For them, for Jacob and his family, is it clear that they weren't to have these, these idols? Absolutely was clear. Then the only option was to remove them. It's similar for us today, this morning. The reality is that they couldn't move forward, not in God's blessing, not in God's will, not with God's hand on them, unless they acted on this command. And again, the same is so true in our lives today. So many are trying to move forward in the, the blessing of God. So, so many uh, professing Christians are saying, I want God's blessing. I want God's help. But what's happening is they're trying to do this with this intent to obey, this intent to act, but they don't do it. They don't actually obey. What they do is they obey at their convenience, just like the people of God did in our text. Or they obey partially, or they obey sectionally. I obey God in this area, but he doesn't have my life. So many are trying to serve God half-heartedly while still holding on to the false gods of money, to the false gods of relationships, to the false gods of potential relationships, to the false gods of sports, to the false gods of teams, to the false gods of future security, to the false gods of self, to the false gods of things and possessions, to the false gods of friends and social media, to the false gods of games and, and, and activities and entertainment, false gods. I'm not saying bad things, but they have become false gods in many of our lives. It's not wrong to have a relationship. It's not wrong for sports. It's not wrong for, to have things. It's not wrong to have games. Social media is not wrong and evil and inherent, inherently evil in itself. But all these things can become the gods. And we can deny that they are gods. But we know also there's a reality that exists. Does God not deserve our all? To the call is for our all. Joshua, the children of Israel, again, in light of all that God had done, they absolutely had a decision to make. Everything God's done for you, who are you going to serve? A question that comes to my mind is, is this, in this world of entertainment and activity and busyness. Watching some games last night. And so I think there's supposed to be a game later. Let's see if it's actually that, I guess. But here's the question. Is a game more important than worshiping your Savior? Is anything? Is there anything in this world that's more valuable than an opportunity to say thank you to the God who delivered you from the condemnation of sin in your life. See, so many, I, I believe, professing Christians are not experiencing the fullness of the blessing of walking as a disciple and a child of God because 
that decision hasn't been made. They're not, they're, there's, there's those good intentions that are there. The good intention, I, I, don't, I don't question, I, I, I see even in our church, I, there are a lot of good-hearted people, good-intentioned people. But good intentions aren't a substitute for action. Never have been, never will be. Question I want to ask, could you serve God more? This morning, where you're sitting, where you're at in your walk with God, in your walk with God, your relationship with Him, could you honestly say, I could serve God more? And if the answer is yes, the next question is this, what's keeping you from it? If you can admit, I could do more for God's kingdom, but you're not, what's keeping you? Is it self, the God of self? Is it the God of busyness? The God of things? Or, or what is it? Your service to God. You say, I, I'm doing things for the church. Or I'm doing things for God right now. I, I serve. But let me ask you this. Does that look more like spare change at the end of the week? Or does it look like you're living like you continually empty the bank for him? And that's not, don't take that as an effort for money. I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your life. Again, we all know that we spend our money what's important to us anyways, right? We, we eat. We want shelter and water. I mean, we spend money on what's important to us. Could you serve God more? What's the barrier? What's keeping you from it? Is it, is, it, is it fear? Is it time? Is it that you're too busy? Is it stuff? Is there entertainment? Is it work? What is it that's keeping you from giving more to the king and his kingdom? Is there anything that keeps you from serving God more important than the kingdom of God? Is there anything more important? Maybe more isn't going from not really doing anything to serving Witnessing, discipling, giving, etc. Maybe more is actually more passionately, more joyfully, more faithfully doing it. So maybe those who are here, you're serving God, and you're saying, I feel like I'm doing a lot, but maybe your more is serving God more passionately. Maybe serving God more joyfully. Maybe serving God more faithfully. Maybe that's your more. Again, are you going through routines? Are you serving God and just going through routines and not going through this real intimacy with God in your service? Have you lost your passion in a rut? Where, where are you today in your walk with God? Again, if, if that's you, say, man, that's me. I serve God. I'm involved in ministry, but I, I just have a hard time being faithful to it. I have a hard time finding passion in it. I have a hard time finding joy in serving God anymore. I used to, but I don't anymore. The chances are this, that you've taken your focus off of the majesty and the beauty of the Savior himself and the grace that he, sh he shed in your life, the chances are you've taken your eyes and your focus off of that and you've placed it on others or you've placed it on distractions or you've placed it on limitations or you've placed it on hindrances. You've placed it on hiccups or valleys or trials. Maybe you've placed it on the pats on the back that you're not getting. I want to ask you this, and I'm, I'm almost done. What would you be willing to give up to give God more? 
What would you be willing to give up to give your God more? Years ago, Brother Jeffrey referenced it in several, several times before, but it's how the Lord worked in his life to draw him and, and to call him into ministry. And it was something I put out when I was a youth pastor in the youth, and, and it was a, a 30-day fasting from TV challenge. Just take that time. Don't watch TV in 30 days. And use that time to spend more time with God, spend more time with your family. Let me ask you this. Could you stop watching TV for 30 days? What would you be willing to give up to give more to God? Is TV that important? That you say, you know, I, I, don't, I don't spend enough time in God's word. I, sometimes I don't even spend any time in God's word. Sometimes I don't, spend, I don't, I don't pray and I don't talk to God. Maybe you could just say, you know what, instead of spending the hour or two or three or four watching sports or shows or Netflix or whatever, I'll just stop that for 30 days and kind of purge my life of that and invest it into the kingdom of God, invest into my relationship with him. Let me ask something to all the football fans. Could you give up football right in the middle of the season to give God more? It's a test of idolatry. It is. It's a test, a test of strange gods. I, I, I want to share something with you, not in a matter of boasting. But there was a, 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 a time in my life that I did just that, right in the middle of it. So you know what? It's, it's taking too much of my thoughts. It's captured too much of my desires. And I just put it aside. Could you give up social media? Could you stay off the TV? Could you stay off social media? Listen, to actually go and meet your neighbors. You get that? We, we, we connect on, online so much, but could we give that up and say, you know what, for the next 30 days, I'm not going to get on social media. What I'm going to do is I'm going to actually meet people. And you know what I'm going to do with those people? I'm going to actually invite them to church this morning. I want to I do a real quick poll, and again, I promise you I'm about to close, but I, I, how many people in here came to this church because you were either invited by somebody or you knew somebody? If you raise your hand, just raise your hand all across the room. Everybody look around. The majority of, of the people in this room came because they knew somebody or somebody invited them. Let me ask you this question. Who have you recently invited to church? Who have you invited? Who, who, who has, who has said, so you know what, I'm going to come with you because you talk about your Lord and you talk about your church. You talk about the people, the, you, you talk about what's going on. You talk about the passion and the vision that your church has to reach people with the love of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I want to do that. Listen, good intentions are not substitutes for action. Sometime, at some point, somebody invited you. You knew somebody. At some point, there was action. Listen. We've got to stop being a people of good intentions and start being a people of action based on truth. That's what we're called to be. You know what they say about good intentions, right? The path to hell is paved with good intentions. For the Christian this morning, what's more important to you? 
What's going to change from intent to action for you? If you're here this morning and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you were to die this day, you're not sure that heaven would be your home. If, if somebody asked you, hey, if you were to die, where would you spend eternity? Your answer would be, I'm not sure. Or it would be, oh, I hope heaven. If that's you, I want to tell you this. Today is the day of salvation. Listen, don't miss heaven because you intended to surrender your life to Christ. If you're here this morning, I'm telling you, there's only one way, and it's through Jesus Christ. And you can't intend, you must act. It's an act of surrendering your life. You can't work for it, you can't earn it, it's by grace, it's through faith, but that's the action, faith. It's trusting, surrendering to Christ. So this morning, let's walk out of this place and remember, intent is not action. What's standing in the way? Would you take that challenge? I'm, you're, not, you're not necessarily more spiritual or less spiritual, but if you can honestly do an evaluation of your heart and you know that something has, has your heart more captive than your Lord Jesus Christ, then could you not give it up for 30 days to, to draw closer to him? Let's not let anything stand in the way. Choose you this day. Make a decision on how you move forward. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you so much for the challenge you've given to me in this message. Over and over and over, you've, you've, you've challenged me. You've preached it to me, and um, God, I thank you for it. I, I'm, and again, I confess before this church body, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I hate that I have failed you in, in many ways um, in this regard. I, I never want to intend to do the right thing, or I never want to let anything stand in the way of me doing what's right in your eyes. And, so, Lord, I pray that every Christian in this place, we would have the same heart, that call that Joshua made to your people so many thousands of years ago. Lord, let it be the same call today from this pulpit. Let us choose who we'll serve. Not intend to serve, but choose who we will serve. Either we give you our all, or something else has our hearts. Lord, help us make that, that decision. Help us act on it today. And again, if there's someone lost, they don't know where they're going to spend eternity. I pray that they would move this morning. Enter into that relationship with you. Lord, we ask that you move now in Jesus' name.